As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Live Well Anyway. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa, and on this podcast, we focus on wellness, beauty, style, planning, and life. Basically, life is messy, and here we learn to live well anyway. So join me on this journey as we figure it out together, and just to get us started, I'll go first. And you guys, I am so excited about today's episode because I had never read anything by this author before. This was my first foray into her writing, and it was the perfect first read of anything by Shauna Nequist because this book hit me right where I have been for the past four and a half years. Her new book, I guess I haven't learned that yet, talks about how she has had to weigh through challenges and really, really big changes in her life and grappling with both finding joy, but also dealing with the really hard parts of that and grappling with it in our bodies and just walking forward through really difficult things. And even though the things that she has gone through have been totally different than the things that I have gone through. And she got to move to Manhattan, and I am still here in the Pacific Northwest. And especially now after reading this book, really wishing that I was living in Manhattan, I still found her book so incredibly relatable. It was like someone really got how hard things have been, but how you still try to have joy and pursue good things. This book was such a live well anyway book. I highlighted so many things, wrote, ah, yes, next to so many paragraphs. I can't wait for people to get this in their hands, especially after the past two years of things being so hard for so many people. I think that this book is going to resonate. It is beautifully written. I mean, she is like an author's author. She crafts her words so beautifully, and we go into all of that in this episode, but I am just so excited about both this book and this episode, and I hope that you guys really enjoy it. But before we get there, of course, I want to give a little plug for Patreon because it's such a great community of ladies over there. We have a great new book club that we started just last month, which is a bring your own book book club where you come and we just talk about our reading lives together. Whatever books you are currently reading, we give each other suggestions. We talk about the books that we've been reading that month and things that we've been doing to increase our reading lives or get more out of our reading lives. It is a really 
really fun space to be talking about all of that. Plus, we've been really diving in in the month of April into spring cleaning and planning and how to get your feet like deep in the trenches of planning, even when there are so many unknowns in our lives, which a lot of us are still grappling with in a lot of ways. Figuring out how you plan the things that you can control and how to make the most out of those situations, how to live well anyway in your planning. We are really diving into that in Patreon in the month of April, and I would love to have you come over and join us and figure out some of your own planning things. So if you head over to patreon.com slash live well together, we would love to welcome you into that community. I do live shows three to four days a week where we all get to get together and chat about different topics, but then we also have two mini casts that go out every month. We have a really cool little downloadable planner that goes out every month. There's just a lot of stuff packed into Patreon that we would love to have you come experience with us. So head over to patreon.com slash live well together. We've got all kinds of levels for you to join and become a part of for whatever it is you are looking for. And we would love to welcome you into that community. So I hope to see you there. Without further ado, though, let's get into this episode with Shauna Nequist. Welcome, Shauna. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you here today. As I kind of mentioned before we got rolling, I as soon as I saw the thing saying like what this book was about from Zondervan, I was like, oh. Yes, I'm going to need to get my hands on that. Thank you very much. And it has completely lived up to everything that I thought it would. And I was like begging them, if she has a spot open up, let me get in there. I really want to talk to her about this book because I think it will so speak to my audience. I know that it is hitting home for me on so many different levels. But before we dive in, would you go ahead and just introduce yourself? Yes, absolutely. And thank you for saying that. That means a lot. Um, oh, yeah. So my name is Shauna Nequist, and I'm a writer. This is my fifth book in 15 years. Wow. And um, I am a lifelong Midwesterner. I've always lived outside Chicago or in West Michigan. And then three years ago, my husband and our boys and I moved to Manhattan. And that was in the middle of a million other life changes that we were experiencing. And then obviously shortly after that, everyone experienced a major change. Um, And so that's where we are right now. And also we should mention your favorite title. You're an officiant with a side of sparkle. Isn't that I loved that. That was fabulous. I love that. So good. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a couple things that I want to address, like right off the bat. First of all, woman, you write blessedly short chapters, and I love you for it. (laughs) Thank you. You could just tell that your words are like so well crafted and chosen. You're not wasting my time. You're getting to the goods. And then, you know, I think if there was any ever any like marketing ploy to get people to read more, it would be short chapters because you feel like you can really like, oh, I'll just read one more chapter. It's short. And then before you know it, you've read half the book. So thank you for the short chapters. Well, I mean, you know, that's a funny thing. It's just the way it's the way my mind works or my writing style, you know, I I tried in various seasons to write longer chapters and it just doesn't work for me. So I'm, I'm glad to hear it works okay for you as a reader. Yes. Well, and it's like, you pack so much into so few words. It's like poetry in that way. 
that it's just so refreshing when you're reading somebody that's like, oh, they're not, they didn't just get a book deal because they have a bunch of followers and people were like, yeah, you should do this. But it's like, oh, this person is an author. Like there is a depth to that and you, that just shines through in your writing. So, oh, thank you. That yeah. really, really means a lot to me. The, um, I always think uh, the the writing part of it, the, the actual like language and crafting side of it is the part I really love. So when, yeah. uh, thank you for seeing that. Well, you can tell, you can tell that it's just, it's so well done in that way. Okay. So the goods of the book, I mean, obviously this book was written out of like a painful place and an undoing and an uprooting of life and rebuilding. And that is all so deep and wise and touching, but on a totally superficial place. I just want to talk about New York for a little while. Oh, absolutely. I love to talk about New York. Good. Because I mean, it's been so fun to read these little, you know, I mean, obviously it's interwoven throughout the whole book, of course, because that's where you've lived, like you said, for the past three years, but I have always wanted to live in New York. And I think you give this different perspective than someone who's always lived in New York because they wouldn't understand the difference. Like it's just what they've always known, but you have that perspective of having lived in a suburb and having your SUV. And like, I always think about that when I go to the store, like how in the world do people do it there? Like (laughs) there's so many fun little snippets that you have about life in New York. And so I would just love to hear more. Like, what was that really like? Like you talk in the book about, you have to have a totally different, even mindset about doing life like a New Yorker. There's just all these different ways where what seems like quote unquote normal to someone who lived in the suburbs or a rural area, um, it's totally upended here. It's a a totally different rhythm of living. It's a different way of getting yourself around. It's a different way of living within your space. It's a different way of connecting with other people. And so it has just felt like the only way through has been like asking for help and curiosity and yeah, kind of being a learner. And I would say one thing that was a really, well, we didn't know, like when we moved here, we were like, we're definitely going to do it. We're going to give it a shot. We think we'll like it, but it could be like, oh, this was an amazing experience that we immediately want to end. (laughs) Um, And the opposite has been true. It's been like, oh, we love this. I want to live here as long as possible. I want to spend my life here. This works for us on such a deep level. Well, and I think that a lot of people And I think you sort of talk about this in the book, like your Midwest friends, like being nervous, like, oh, like, are you okay? Are you being held hostage? Like, I think a lot of people even think about when you have kids in the city, like, oh, you don't want kids in the city. Like that's so rough to have them, you know, not have a backyard or whatever. But I would imagine like the exchange that you get for culture and community and like all of those kinds of things it it's that has got to have its own huge benefits and rewards. Oh, absolutely. And it, you know, it's like absolutely everything. There are trade-offs for yeah. everything. Of sure. course, some, some days it'd be nice to have a backyard. Of course, some, some days it'd be nice to like sit around a fire pit, but also our kids get to go to great shows and great museums. And um, yeah, the, the culture side of it is really important to us and we really love it. So nobody gets everything. Yeah. There's no one perfect place to live, but for us, this is the right place right now. And, you know, our kids are, you know, Henry's 15. And so, and his greatest passion, like in the world is film and movies. And so it's not like he's dying for a football field in our backyard. Yeah. 
what he's dying for are film festivals and places where you can learn about movie making. And so we're in a really good place for that. So for our little family, the trade-offs are, are really worth it. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause I have a son who's about to turn 16 and he has the same passion. Really? Yeah. He just like, he spends all of his hours doing like editing a video and figuring out how to work all the different software and like he's been totally invested in like watching the movies for the Oscars this year. And, you know, it's just been so fun to see at this age that really starts to come through, like what their real passions are. And I don't find very many other people who their 15 year old son is like invested in film. That is, I mean, I bet we could talk for hours about that because we're doing the same thing as a family. Yeah you know, watching as many Oscar, Oscar films as we can and really trying to like Aaron and I are both. Uh, so I heard this, my favorite child psychologist. I mean, not like I have like 10, but like one that I really love um, is Wendy Mogul. And mm-hmm. she wrote The Blessing of a Skin Knee, which I really, really loved. And um, I heard her speak at Lincoln Center and she said, um, I've been seeing parents and kids for four decades now and parents are always worried and kids are largely okay. And she said, I have exactly one piece of advice that applies to every parent and every kid. And we're all like hanging. I'm like, what is it? And she said, be enchanted with whatever is currently enchanting your child. That's it. Whatever they care about, care about it. And so I think you're doing that right now with Oscar films. And so are we. And um, Henry is inviting us into a whole new area of the world that we wouldn't necessarily be super engaged in. And I think that's a cool thing that happens as your kids get older. Yeah, for sure. I loved when you talked about that in the book and it just like totally resonated. (laughs) Of course, there are some things when like he was talking about like the RAM he needed in his computer and like whatever to operate the software. And I was trying really hard to listen and he just looked at me and he goes, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, do you? I was like, I don't, but I love that you're doing it. (laughs) And I can't wait to see what you produce (laughs) when you get what you need. Oh yeah, we, we definitely, Henry knows at a certain point we're like, he's like, you don't know what any of these words mean, do you? And I'm like, yeah. no, you could tell me. Yes, no. yes. And it's so funny to see that transformation as you're watching something with them and all of a sudden to see through their eyes that they're watching it with that different perspective, like a filmmaker perspective. Like my son will suddenly be saying, you know, like, look at the somatics on that shot. Like it's, it's so whatever. And you're like, Oh, you're seeing this like like a grown-up person. Like it's Absolutely. so fun to see them develop in that way. I totally. I mean, Henry talks a lot about aspect ratio, and I'm like, I don't. I'm, I'm yeah. over on this. I have no idea what that is. Um, or like, he really wants a long shot to continue, so he starts to get really excited. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they're gonna take this around the corner. They're gonna, you know. Yeah. And it's a way of watching movies that I've never done before, and it makes the whole experience of it a lot richer, right? Like I'm learning to look for that I never would have. What a cool thing to come from kind of watching our kids develop what they love. Yeah. And I have like a very abbreviated past in film and being in film, but it's still, it wasn't the, the editing part of it. And, you know, like, it's just like, I wasn't thinking about the camera shots that they were taking. I was thinking about the acting or, you know, whatever. And so it's so fun to, to get to see that through his eyes and see them at these ages being able to, like, I really think for boys, probably, especially, uh, well, I, I don't know. I say that because my girls aren't old enough yet, <laughs> but there, there seems to be this clarity at this age where they start to 
have a more refined sense of like what they want to be and what they want to do. And like my son played basketball this year and he's always played basketball, but at the end of the season, it was really, he kind of had that realization, like this isn't my passion. Like this isn't where I want to be spending my time. I did it because it's what I've always done. But if I really think about what I want to do, it's, I want to invest my time into editing and filmmaking. And I want to go to film school. And it's so fun to see them go through that process. I love that. I totally agree. And, you know, Aaron and I always kind of laugh a lot. So he was a, he's a, he is a musician and he studied music in college and I'm a writer and I studied literature and, um, People always, you know, a lot of times those are the kind of majors that other parents are like, oh my gosh, you'll yeah. like job. <laughs> yeah. I was an English and French literature major. They're like, wow. you, like order dinner at French restaurants. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> of course. But like Aaron and I both knew well before we knew each other when we were both in high school that he wanted to be a musician as his vocation. And I wanted to be a writer and we are. And yeah. that's true for everybody. And it doesn't have to be true, but like, it's not insane to think that these things that they're passionate about right now could be a major part of at least their path that leads them to the work that they love. I completely agree because, you know, I grew up doing theater and film work and, you know, as everything ended up coming around, I'm very blessed that I now am a voiceover actor and, you know, all of those things ended up coming to fruition, but I was very much like discouraged from going to theater school and because like, what are you really going to do with that? And you've had all these years of training and isn't that good enough? And, you know, like go get something that you could fall back on. And now with my kids, I feel like I'm coming at it from such a different perspective. Like, no, you invest in your dreams and you go all out on that. Don't be held back by thinking you need to make sure you have your backup plan in place because if you need a backup plan, it will come, yeah. <laughs> you will get there, but okay. pour into what you really want to pour into, because you will always wonder what could have been if you don't. I totally agree. I am um, same page. I love yeah. that. I love that too. It's nice to have someone. agree. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, I love makeup. It is no secret that I love putting together my face every morning, but I also love when that makeup can be clean and also really great products that do what I need them to do because what's the point of wearing makeup if it doesn't do what you want it to do? And that is why I love Thrive Cosmetics. I have used them for years. I absolutely love so many of their products. And I love that I'm able to have high performance beauty and skincare products from Thrive that are made with clean, skin loving ingredients. There's no parabens, sulfates, phthalates. They're certified 100% vegan and cruelty free. One of my very, very favorite products from them that is my ride or die is their liquid lash extensions mascara. I use this every day. It is my hands down favorite mascara because not only is it ultra lengthening and eye opening and it lasts all day without clumping or smudging or flaking. I mean, I can even take a nap with this stuff on and it still looks good, but it comes off so cleanly at night because it's a tubing formula. So it just slides right off with water and it doesn't give me raccoon eyes. It's so good. I absolutely love it. I also love using their Defying Gravity Eye Lifting cream. I use this almost every night before bed and it instantly lifts, tightens, and brightens the skin around my eyes with line smoothing hydration. It helps to reduce my dark circles and my puffiness and it fights those signs of stress and aging and dullness because... 
let's face it, I have some stress in my life. So I love being able to go to this cream and use it time and time again and have great results. Plus, Thrive is all about supporting causes. They have their Bigger Than Beauty initiative, and for every product purchased through Thrive Cosmetics, they donate to help women thrive, women who are emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, fighting cancer, and so many more causes that you can find out about all on their website. Now is a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. You can get 15% off your first order when you go to thrivecosmetics.com slash livewell. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash livewell for 15% off your first order. Okay, so... I love in that, I think it was in that same chapter where you talked about being enchanted with whatever your kids are enchanted with, that you also talked about the enchantment in your home and how like when you lived in the Midwest, you knew what your style was, but then moving to New York, it like took on a totally different life and different colors. And, and I had sort of that same experience, like when I left and dismantled my life and it was like, I I don't even know what my favorite color is anymore. I don't know how I want to dress. I don't know how I want to decorate. Like this all gets to be reinvented now. And I think there's so much like freedom and fun in that to be able to change your mind and evolve in those ways. And what you like at one point, you don't have to keep liking for the rest of your life. And I would love to hear more about that experience for you as you move to New York. Oh, I, I mean- I have loved that part of living in New York. And, you know, I think there's something about, especially when you do any kind of public work, um, there's this desire to sort of like, like, like uh, make yourself into like a mood board, right? Like this, these colors, I am only these locations, I'm these brands, I'm this, like, it's, it's very kind of, um, you know, this person on Instagram lives like this and likes this and her photos look like this and this mm-hmm. person lives like this, and it's very distinct, but then it, it becomes sort of like set in stone and it feels almost kind of calcifying. Like, it, because I liked that 10 years ago. Now I have to only like that forever. That's not how people are. That's not how real live living, breathing, changing humans are. And so it's been really fun to sort of try on literally a bunch of different, like, is this how I dress? It's a little like Goldilocks. Like, yeah. Do I like this bed? Do I like this bed? That's been a fun aspect of discovery and realizing I don't have to look exactly the way I did 10 years ago. I don't have to dress the way I did. Our apartment doesn't have to be just like our house in the suburbs, but smaller because we have all the same stuff. It's okay for those things to change along the way. And it's okay for them not to, if that's not exciting to you when you're like, I just want to keep my same couch. That feels good to me. Do that. But it's been freeing for me to see that we don't all have to do it the same way at the same time. I think that's one of the biggest themes in my life right now. Just it's easy to think that there are prescribed rules for all of it, right? This yeah. is how a, this is how we all dress. This is how yeah. we all style our homes. This is what we all eat. This is what we all care about. It isn't, and it shouldn't be, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. I loved what you said about like the diversity of all the different kinds of people you see when you walk out your door, like the guy in the three-piece suit and the gal with the rainbow hair and the, you know, like 
everybody is just sort of like themselves in New York, which I think is not that way most other places. I think that is true. I mean, you just, what you see walking down just one city block is more diversity and variety and from all different parts of the world and hearing all different languages being spoken and all different traditions being observed. And for me, that's really energizing and really freeing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it it would have to be for, for anyone, like I think about for your kids, like what a gift to them to be able to be themselves, because it's, I think that's especially hard as you're growing up. It's really easy to get sucked into those things, especially if everybody else is looking the same way, but what freedom that gives them to be unique and individual because everybody's being unique and individual. Absolutely. I really love that. Uh, When I go to my kids' schools, I'm like, oh my goodness, you guys are surrounded by more creativity and more diversity and more, um, yeah, different languages and traditions and backgrounds. And I, I love that for them. I love that they get to see themselves and their experience as just like one tiny part of this like much wider community that feels really healthy to me. And I think it opens their eyes to so many different opportunities that, you know, I think like we all grow up thinking like, oh, when you grow up, you be, you can become a teacher or a fireman or, you know, like, I think we're starting to break away from that a little bit more than when we were younger. It just felt like it was so many limited options of like what you could go into and nobody really knew, well, what, what even are the other options you could look into? But when you're just surrounded by that level of creativity and, and options, it just seems like it opens the door for them to imagine differently what their life can be like. I think that's absolutely true. One of the things we joke about is in New York, um, Anything you can dream of, you can find one person who is 100% all the way dedicated to just that thing. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, yesterday I went to a place that I'd never heard of until yesterday called the Fountain Pen Hospital. Oh, and wow. It's a store that is exclusively and only about fountain pens and not just buying new ones, but repairing, that's the hospital part, repairing broken ones and then refurbishing and selling used ones and their cartridges and the ink and the paper and the carrying case. And like, I had no, I didn't even know that this existed. Yeah. There I was yesterday at the fountain pen hospital and I learned so much. It was so fun. I bet that's so amazing to be in these places where you can just like deep dive. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I have a friend who's taking a cookie class right now by Christina Tosi, who is the head chef behind milk bar. Yes. She's amazing. Yeah. And it's just like such a unique, she, the way that she's gone so deep in this class into all of the different, like, she's like, there's chemistry and physics behind these cookies that I never even would have thought of before. And I think that's sort of like a, like a New York thing <laughs> to be able to go like that deeply into this very niche area. That's, I think you're exactly right. That is a very good way to describe it. Yeah. I love that. That's That's so cool. Okay. So you didn't just move to New York though. You moved to a seminary. Yes. So what is that like? Well, I mean, it's sort of, it's, it's kind of an extension of just what we were saying. It's, it's this extraordinarily beautiful campus and it has existed for 200 years in the middle of Manhattan. And it's 
you know, it, it is a little bit broader now, but for many decades, it was to um, train and equip priests, Episcopal priests, for their service in the Episcopal church all over the country. And so one of the coolest things about it is um, you see people in their priestly robes all day, every day, learning how to be priests, mm-hmm. learning how to swing the incense, learning how to hold the candles, learning how to administer the Eucharist. And, and, but it's like like the training part of it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's really... Um, we absolutely love it. It's a really cool way to get to learn about a tradition that's different than our own mm-hmm. and to be kind of invited into the rhythm of their, both like the, the chapel, you know, there are bells twice a day, there's chapel twice a day. The liturgical calendar really is like the cycle on which the seminary kind of rotates. It's really wonderful. That's so interesting, especially if that's not the tradition that you grew up in to get mm-hmm. to like witness that and and appreciate it. And yeah, that's so interesting to me. So you're at the seminary now. Is he going to the seminary? No, he did. He completed his master's. And um, so it's this, uh, there are several different categories of people who live there. There are some people who live there because they are faculty members and professors. There are some people who live there because they're students. And then there are other people who live there because they have just some sort of possibly tangential or very direct connection to the seminary. And so, so at this point, that's us. Um, okay. Aaron, so it's wor- not like he's done. So you're out. Right. Right. Aaron works for a nearby church in partnership with the seminary. And so, and, and our best friends are there and we just absolutely love it. So um, not everyone there is a student or a faculty member, but some of them are. That's nice. I was wondering that like, Oh, is it, are they just going to like, are they going to be trying to find now an apartment in New York, like uprooting their lives again to a different part of the city? Or, you know, that's, that's we, nice that you can just stay. Yes. We would like to stay at the seminary forever and ever. We love yeah. it. So great. That's awesome. Okay. You guys, I'm just going to be really honest and admit to you that I'm in my late thirties. And up till this point, I had never used a good pan in my life. I think I had shied away from a lot of the non-stick types of pans because I just figured they were automatically going to be toxic. And so I just made my whole cooking experience very difficult with the low-grade pans that I was using that I felt like were going to be better for us somehow. But I am so glad now to find out that there is a really good option that is not only non-stick and amazing, but it's also non-toxic and awesome for my family. And that is the entire cookware and baking line from Caraway. Caraway Homes non-toxic kitchenwares are all designed for the modern home and feature a chemical-free ceramic coating so food can be prepared with peace of mind that no hard-to-pronounce compound will leach into your healthy ingredients. And just to step it up, all sets come equipped with easy-access storage solutions so that there is no stacking required. It fits just perfectly and nicely into your cupboard. And they're eco-friendly. Throughout manufacturing, Caraway products release up to 60% less CO2 into the environment compared to traditional 
traditional nonstick coatings. Caraway products are made without any toxic materials like PFAs, PTFE, PFOA, or other hard-to-pronounce chemicals, and they are well-loved by over 25,000 people who rave about their Caraway kitchen. They have both cookware and baking sets, and just to top it off and take it over the edge, their sets are beautiful. They come in all kinds of different colors. I got mine in the cream because that is just my vibe, and I absolutely love them, and I think that you will too. So if you are ready to have non-stick cookware that is great for the environment and great for your family, stores well, and is beautiful, you have got to try Caraway Home. Visit carawayhome.com slash livewell to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive to my listeners, so visit carawayhome.com slash livewell or use my code livewell at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. Ladies, we all have to deal with hormones. It's just a fact of our lives. They are constantly changing as we go through different seasons of our lives, and it can be really hard to find a solution that's going to be effective but also not contain a bunch of other hormones or require a prescription. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a brand out there that wants to help you in a way that is actually beneficial, and that is Bonafide. Bonafide was created to give women an alternative to effectively relieve the symptoms that accompany hormonal fluctuations within our bodies because every woman deserves to feel relief without compromise. So they provide women with naturally powerful remedies to safely treat the natural symptoms that occur throughout our lives, from PMS to menopause and everything else in between that we could possibly be dealing with. Bonafide has created non-prescription solutions that treat women's health issues using ingredients from nature as often as they can to maximize effectiveness and relief. The ingredients in every Bonafide product are the results of thorough research, development, and clinical trials, resulting in every product being scientifically validated. And safety is their top priority. So all products are made with safe yet powerful ingredients, completely free from hormones and without alarming side effects. Can I get an amen? And to top it all off, they are endorsed by doctors. They are recommended by over 8,300 doctors across the country, and over 333,000 women have benefited from using Bonafide. So give Bonafide a try today. No hormones and no prescription required. Real relief without compromise. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com and use the promo code LIVEWELL. That's hello, B-O-N-A-F-I. IDE.com and use the code LIVEWELL, that's L-I-V-E-W-E-L-L, for 20% off at checkout. For the best prices and free shipping, go directly to the HelloBonafide.com website. This is their best offer anywhere, so check it out and use the promo code LIVEWELL and get some real hormonal relief naturally. So there were so many. I mean, I literally, like, my book is highlighted pink. Like, every page thank you (laughs) there's like all these dog-eared pages of like make sure you can find this page again there's so many things that I would love to hit on but one of the things I thought was really interesting and lovely was how you talked about living inspired and putting yourself in the path of inspiration I mean and then you take it on to this point of also putting yourself in the path of joy and all that kind of thing but I loved what you said like it's your job as a writer to make sure that you're being inspired. Talk about that. 
So, you know, there's, I think we have all these kind of myths about what it means to be a creative person or what it means to be um, inspired. So, you know, you think about like, kind of this idea of like the tortured artist who is, has terrible writer's block and nothing's happening. And then like, there's like a cartoon lightning bolt over their head. And then they stay up all night and all day and the candles burn down and, you know, the seasons change and they, they can do anything while they're inspired. And I just don't, I think that, um, kind of a weird cartoony version of what it means to live as an artist. Like mm-hmm. one of the things I always say is like, if I don't feel like writing that, like it's my job, I don't get to feel it or not feel it. Like I yeah. always say, my cousin, my cousin, Amanda is a kindergarten teacher. If she woke up on a Monday morning and was like, I'm just not feeling super inspired to go yeah. to five-year-olds. They'd be like, cool, you're fired. Yeah. Um, I write like it's my job because it is my job. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Amanda loves her job as a kindergarten teacher. Um, I write when it's time to write and I stop when the kids get home from school. But what that means is I don't have the luxury of like, oh, am I feeling inspired? Being inspired is part of the job. So I go to museums, I go to shows, I read a lot. I spend time with people who are interesting and creative. I go for walks. That's part of the job is living as a person who is deeply um, committed to noticing and learning about the world around me. The artist's job is taking responsibility for their own inspiration. I love that. I think as someone who is a creator also, like that's part of my job to create content and to create things to inspire other people and to talk about things. And I think this year was the first time in a while that I have been like, look, no, you are a creative person and you need to be doing creative things. I read um, Sutton Foster's book, Hooked, Oh yeah. Did you like it? I haven't read it yet. I actually listened to the audiobook and I loved it. It was so not what I was expecting because I mean, I knew it would be fun to hear like her memoir of being a performer, but then to hear how all of these like outside of create outside creative passions worked their way into her life. Just like even her crocheting that she would do while she was backstage or, you know, whatever. And those were kind of like the through lines, no matter what show she was in or whatever, she was always being creative in these other ways. And she describes herself as a maker. Mm -hmm. And it was so, it was perfect. I read it in December, right before new year. It was like, okay, (laughs) like 2022 needs to be that year that I embrace again, the fact that I'm a maker and that that's a good thing. That's not a waste of time. It's, it doesn't mean I like that can be part of the job, like pouring into those creative avenues, then do lend themselves to better content and more inspiration and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And I think it's so easy in our culture to kind of devalue the intake process. Like we're all supposed to be doing this output all the time. Oh man. I mean, I could, uh, I have a lot of feelings about that. I, I think you're exactly right that there is this expectation that uh, that humans can work like machines, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the demand for content right now feels to be drive feels like it's driving a lot of things. And I think the demand for wisdom or the demand for beauty or the, yeah. those are the things we should be paying attention to. Um, I, I think like probably the last thing I'm supposed to be doing right now is recommending a book that is not my own, but I'm going to do that. <laughs> Um, have you read, um, find your unicorn space? No, it's right on. You're going to love it. It's right on the, kind of in the same, 
zone. It's by um, Eve Rodsky, and she's the woman who wrote Fair Play, which I also loved. But one of the things, one of the things that she found in her research about Fair Play, which is about like equity and parenting, um, okay. it is that um, in order to live a meaningful life, a full, you know, kind of in every area, it's not just having good friendships or a healthy partnership or work that you love. Having recreation that taps into your curiosity and challenges you and kind of keeps you growing and learning in the world is one of the things we need in order to be healthy people. And so it's all about finding your unicorn space, like where, so maybe it's crocheting, maybe it's um, cooking, maybe it's acting, maybe it's, you know, writing stories, whatever it is, it's not your job, but it's a thing that you do creatively that's deeply restorative and requires you to keep learning and growing. I love that. Oh, I will definitely be getting that one. That's on the list. I wrote it down. I love it so much. And I think that especially as we've all been through kind of these, you know, not kind of very rough years of pandemic and everything. I think that there's a certain amount of that that's just gotten squelched. You know, it's like we've just all been in survival mode, much less trying to pursue creativity and that kind of thing. And I think there there has to sort of be this reawakening. And I've been feeling that even just coming into the spring, like, okay, things are blooming again. Like it's time to start waking that part of ourselves back up, like training ourselves to get out of this survival space we've all been in. Oh, I feel that a hundred percent. A good friend of mine, um, we were talking about, actually, we were talking about the book, find your unicorn space. And, and, um, she was like, you know what? This sounds crazy for 20 years. I've wanted a pottery wheel. I've taken classes. I, um, used to do this. It's, this is something I'm going to do. And she and her husband drove to New Jersey and now they have a pottery wheel in a very, you know, relatively small space in terms of city living. And she said, I just, I, I had the, the deep sense that I needed to do something with my hands. Yeah. Um, reading wasn't enough kind of talking whatever. Like I, I needed to do something with my hands. And I think that's true for a lot of us. And I'm, yeah. I love that she did that. She's such a good example to me in that way. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I just, I think it's, it's necessary for us. And speaking of the pandemic, so you moved to New York, what, a year before it started? Yeah. Like a year and a half. Yes. So, I mean, thankfully you didn't move in the pandemic. You got to see like real New York for what it was, Yes. but how was that? Because I know that, I mean, I watched, I mean, like I follow a lot of Broadway stars and whatnot on Instagram. And I saw so many of them having to kind of like max mass exodus the city and find other places and ways to perform in other areas and jobs and you know there was such a shutdown there how was that for you guys well we were among the people who um left the city right at the beginning we um you know it was such a weird time nobody really knew what was happening yeah, it was yeah. impossible to know like were we being like really alarmist or were we doing like the best possible thing or like who knows um we went back to michigan um right when they were closing schools and what the information we had at the time was that they'd be closed for two weeks yeah packed enough clothes for two weeks and um we ended up staying there for five months oh wow yeah. So, um, 
we had a totally different experience than a lot of our friends in New York. And obviously we are so grateful and privileged to have had a place to be um, separate from here. We have a little green space and we absolutely don't take that for granted. But then we did come back to the city in August of 2020 and have been here since. And um, the city is amazing. It can um, find a solution and a plan B, C, D, E, E. Like it just, the, the ability that New Yorkers have to be resilient and to support each other and to find a new way through a hard situation has just been amazing to watch and learn. And we'll never forget um, you know, some of those experiences here. It's been incredible. I love to hear that because it just, from an outsider perspective, it just seems like, oh, everybody's just like closed up in their homes and like, you know, it's just a horror fest in New York. And so it's so good to hear that you guys were still able to like thrive and be resilient through it. You know, I mean, I think it it obviously it affected all different people in all different ways, but we, especially restaurants, you know, so like obviously Broadway had, you know, no choice, but to close up so long. And that was so hard for so many performers, but restaurants sort of had the opposite challenge. They had to stay open and they had to figure out how to do like outdoor dining. And one of our most favorite things that we did all the way through the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of conversation about like, please go to restaurants, please order takeout. Yeah. Please buy gift cards, help these restaurants stay open. They're barely making it. And so we did, we definitely supported a lot of restaurants, but we joked about like, did you ever think that you would be eating at a little shed in the bus lane and the (laughs) greatest moment of your month? But yeah, it was amazing to watch how restaurants learned how to do that and keep people safe and, um, be really creative and innovative and, uh, restaurants here are deserve like 10,000 medals for what they were able to pull off during this season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say even our restaurants here, it was like, you were able to see that shift, like, okay, they're going to find a different way of doing things. Even restaurants who have never dreamed about doing takeout in their life, are they're going to do it. They're going to make it work. And that was really inspiring. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, you guys, when you're a kid or a teen, every birthday is a big deal, right? So us moms and dads, we have to treat them like they are. But personally, I like to be able to do that as easily as I possibly can because my life is hectic already. So I like to simplify the birthday process. And one of the ways that I do that is by using Evite. Because when it comes to inviting family and friends and your kids' friends to a birthday party, Evite is the easiest, simplest way to go. Evite offers thousands of free invitation templates for every birthday theme that are all fully customizable. You can choose a design created by their community of professional artists or upload your own unique design. From princesses to unicorns, Unicorns to superheroes, dinosaurs, or for teen parties that want something a little bit more modern. Evite has a hand illustrated invitation for every party that you could possibly have summer pool party, bowling alley, bounce house. Evite offers free and premium online birthday invitations to complement all kinds of kids' birthday party activities. It just takes a few minutes to create and send invitations to everyone on your guest list. Parents can RSVP for themselves and their kids, and you'll get RSVP tracking in real time. You can also set up what to bring lists, gifting options, and you can link an Amazon or Target gift registry to your invite for guests to use too. For us personally, 
recently. My son is turning 16 in a couple of weeks. And this was so helpful because those teenagers, they can be a little bit hard to buy for. But when they have actually just made their own list on Target or Amazon themselves, it really simplifies that process. And everyone who wants to celebrate him was really glad that they had access to these lists because then they don't have to wonder if they're getting him something he actually wants. And it just makes it a lot easier for your guests as well. And to top it off, Evi even has tips and tricks for pulling off a kid's birthday party. And maybe the best part, you won't stress over whether your kid passed the invitations out to their friends at school. So make your kid's birthday party the big deal that it is. Find amazing, beautiful, one-of-a-kind designs in minutes for free. Just head over to evite.com slash livewell. That's evite, E-V-I-T-E dot com slash livewell. evite.com slash livewell. Okay, so I remember in the book you were talking about you have a friend, I think it was one of the mini Jennifers, but that you yes. would uh, walk with yes. her. And that was so cool to think of too. Like at least there was this way for you to get out and still experience the city and be with people, but just by walking. Like what, where would you go? What was that like? So, um, we live in Chelsea and Jennifer lives in Gramercy Park and they're about one mile away, just walking along 20th. And so we would, and our work schedules are both really flexible and like unusual. So it'd be like on Wednesday, we can go at 1 PM on Thursday, we can go at 6 PM on Friday. We can go at, you know, 9 AM, um, around each other's work schedules. And we would meet on the corner of, um, 20th and 5th, and we would just start walking South and we'd walk down through, um, Washington Square and like the NYU neighborhood in Greenwich Village and Tribeca. And then we would decide if we were going to go like down around into Soho and Nolita or around to the West Side Highway. And um, she's a really fast walker. And so am I. And we would just it was like all of the frustration and all of the cabin fever and all of the uncertainty. And she was um, newly married and alone in her apartment with her husband. And I was alone in the apartment with, you know, Aaron and the boys, pretty isolated from a lot of other people. And we covered so many miles during that stretch. Um, and it was just, it was such a gift when I look back on it every once in a while, I was actually just down in Tribeca yesterday and I came around a corner and I remembered like, oh, I think the only time I ever came down here until this day was walking with Jennifer. And to just have that sense of connection and camaraderie and a person who will like listen and listen and listen for you to be like a little buggy and venting. And then you switch roles and you do it for her. I mean, we just, yeah, um, we kind of carried it all together through a really tricky season. I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. That's amazing. And I'm sure, I mean, like you said, you'd lived there for a year and a half. So you probably by that point had a pretty good lay of the land, but that opens up like a whole new opportunity to just be like, we're just walking to walk and like get a real sense. Like you said, you'd only been to that part of Tribeca one other time. Like what an opportunity to really, cause I think when they, we, even as you're talking about it, it's like, this is, I only hear about this in the movies or like on a TV show when they'll talk about Chelsea or Tribeca or whatever, like that's your real life. You live there. That's incredible to just be in all these distinct neighborhoods and places. And, and we're still new enough. And maybe I, I hope we're always like this. We feel that every day we wake up every day. Like, I can't believe we get to live here. It's we're not like jaded or chill about it at all. We are as just absolutely delighted. You're still fangirling um, over New York. 
hundred percent are absolutely. We are, we wake up every day. Like, I can't believe we got away with this. And was that something that really struck you because you hear about it, you know, like that all of the like neighborhoods, I guess, have a different sort of personality and vibe. Have you experienced that? Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, I'm certainly not like the best at deciphering all of this, but I think like you could show me 10 people and I could take a pretty good stab at what neighborhood they live in. Um, It's very, and it it really does change neighborhood to neighborhood very distinctly. Um, Yeah. And it's a fun conversation. You know, every once in a while, they'll do like those little drawings of like who lives in which neighborhood. And we all text them around to each other and kind of giggle like, oh my gosh, is that us? That's fun. Yeah. I love that because like, I mean, I live, I live in Spokane, Washington. So, you know, it's like very, I don't know, it's Eastern Washington, but you, you still, you have like those distinct areas of town that you joke about, you know, like, oh, that person's from Hilliard or there's a South Hill yuppie or, you know, like, but it's still, it's, it's still so spread out and it's, it's like five distinct areas, you know, where I feel like in New York, it's like, there's a thousand, (laughs) It's true. It's like, it's like when they talk about like microclimates, that's sort of what it's like. Like you walk, walk 10 blocks and people look completely different in terms of like the way they're dressing. Yeah. That's wild. Ah, oh, you're just making me want to pick up and move. <laughs> it is really, really fun. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Okay. Something we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about, you know, you, there's also a, a lot in this book about healing mm-hmm. and healing from pain. And, and one of the things that I loved that you said is there's not no comparing pain like when you're talking with other people like and this is something i've really experienced especially over these past 4 years because obviously like leaving an abusive relationship my brother died you know like there's all kinds of things that have happened and i would find people almost being leery to tell me about their good things because they didn't want me to be upset that something was happening good for them and it wasn't for me. And then also on the flip side of that, they would feel like, oh, well, my pain isn't like as big of a deal or whatever. And I, I love that distinction that you made in the book because it's something I've always kind of talked about to people is like, for one, if you're having good things, you are still a person in my life that I want good things for. Like I am happy for you. It doesn't matter that it's not happening for me. I'm happy for you and I want to know and I want to celebrate that with you. But I also want to hear about your pain because all our pain is different. There's mm-hmm. there's no scale of like my pain's worse than your pain. It's we all have our own pain and they're all just as significant to ourselves as anybody else's, you know? So I think that I loved how you pointed that out in the book. And I think it's something for really people to kind of latch on to, because I think it holds us back from sharing our pain with people or being authentic with people. If we're constantly kind of, you know, trying to balance out whose pain is worse. Oh, absolutely. I remember this so clearly um, when we were, I was trying to get pregnant and having miscarriages, you know, miscarriage after miscarriage and these long stretches of infertility. And I mean, on one hand, it's really hard um, just on a human level. It's hard to want to be pregnant so badly. And then to have someone in your life get pregnant, especially unexpected, unexpectedly, it's mm-hmm. hard, but that's okay. That 
that's not a deal breaker for friendship. And what I've learned so much from people, I love people who are willing to just kind of plunge into the awkward conversation about it. You know, I remember a friend saying like, I have to tell you something and I feel weird about it. I feel weird about it because I want you to be pregnant too. And you're not, but I am. And I don't know how to do this together. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. Just plunging into the awkwardness of it so that we can walk through it together. I think, uh, to go on either side, right? Like, um, I can't talk to you about anything good because you're going through something hard or, um, your hard thing isn't as bad as my bad thing. Those are really unhelpful ways. And there's sort of black and white ways of looking at what is ultimately a pretty nuanced thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there's, just so much, like, I completely agree with you. Like having somebody just be frank with you and talk about it, that allows you the opportunity then to make your relationship deeper and feel like you can have those conversations where if you don't, it just puts up all of these walls and awkwardness. And I would much rather the authenticity any day. I totally agree. Even if it's tricky, um, to get to handle it together, pretty directly. It seems like like it's always the best course of action in the, in these kinds of situations. Yeah. And I think it also like, sometimes like people don't want to burden me with their pain because they're like, Oh, well, you're going through enough already where I'm like, I'd really love to not think about my junk right now. (laughs) I'd much rather think about yours. And to have the kind of relationship where you can say different things at different times. Right. So sometimes authentically, you're like, I would love to hear about your problems because I'm tired of mine. And then other times when authentically you say like, I'm so sorry, I'm a little bit like full up. Uh, I'm in a really tricky season right now. I don't totally have the capacity, but I hope I do in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Like to yeah. get to say both of those things feels really healthy and freeing. Yeah. When you have those friends who are not going to like things like this, aren't going to break the relationship. Yes. Yeah. And I, I loved what you said even about friendship and moving to New York that yes, it did scale things down, but you realize like having just a solid handful of friends is all you really need. And that how freeing that is to not feel like you have to keep up with a thousand people, but, but you can be buoyed and have great relationships with a solid handful. And that can be enough. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I joke about it that I, I have like mm, five friends. Yeah. I'd say, uh, and you just don't need a lot more than that. You, yeah. um, you need a handful of people who can walk with you in a really meaningful, lovely way, but you don't need a hundred. You don't, you know, I think we sometimes think that more is better. And I think deeper is better, more honest mm-hmm. is better, more committed is better. I totally agree. And I find like, especially when you're going through hard things, it can be really taxing to have to like bring people up to speed on what the latest hard thing is. And that, that I think in and of itself was enough for me to be like, I just want this little circle. Cause then I only have to keep this little circle up to speed on what's going on. It's too much for me to have to repeat this over and over and over again. I just need those few who I know stand with me through thick and through thin and we'll be good to go. Oh, I think that's absolutely true. Especially in really tough seasons. That feels really true to me. Yeah. But I also, I don't want to, I don't want to end this conversation on just the, the dark, you know, the hard, but I love what you said about 
like there is so much healing and doing what you were made to do and in searching out joy and celebration and that it's okay to laugh in the hard times and to find good things in the hard times. In fact, it's probably more necessary that you do. Oh, absolutely. I think, again, what we're talking about is not the black and white of a situation, but like the very murky gray middle. Yeah. Um, There are seasons that are really like just devastatingly painful. And also our kids are growing and learning new things and like graduating from things and flowers are still blooming and springtime still comes and every once in a while someone says something that's really really funny and it's not wrong to laugh you know it, it, you don't have to paint everything with the, the the darkness of just this one thing um i think most of our lives exist in the very both and zone yeah. not all perfect you know incredible joy and or and not all like extremely terrible darkness if we can get comfortable with taking the joy and the delight when it's available to us. And then also engaging well in the darkness and the complexity that feels like a pretty healthy way to live. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that can buoy you through those really hard things. I mean, I remember two weeks after my brother died, it was Thanksgiving and here we are having the first Thanksgiving without him and all that. And we played a goofy game and all of us got the giggles really hard And we were able to say like, he would have loved this, you know, and there was no, we weren't being irreverent to him by laughing in his absence. It was almost like doing it in honor of him. Like we will still enjoy, you know, we will still find good even when it's really hard. And I think that you have to do that in order to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, there's like literally a thousand other things from your book that I could talk to you about, but we have to be reasonable about how long this episode is going to be. So I would love to hear just what does a typical day look like for you? Hmm. Um, Well, these days I get up with our boys. They have to be out the door between uh, one leaves at 730 and one leaves at eight. And then, and so we get up and kind of have breakfast together and hang around together a little bit. And then usually then I get into my work day. I mostly work just while they're at school. I try not to do a ton of my meetings after three o'clock. So I'll work all day. And I actually work in a workspace that's about six blocks away. So I get up and out and over here. And that's kind of fun Nice out in the city and walking around a little bit. And then, you know, I'm always thinking about dinner. So um, I'll stop on the way home. There are a couple little markets on the way home that I can stop at if I need a couple things for dinner. And then Um, the work, the, the move from like work time to dinner time is kind of my favorite. I love that. Like walk into the kitchen, crack the window, maybe turn on some music and figure out kind of the, the dinner process. And then, um, a lot of times we watch movies, like we talked about, especially Mm -hmm. in Oscar season, a lot of movies, um, or a lot of times we go for an evening walk. That's a big deal for us. Nice. Or we do a lot of happy hour with our neighbors. We're going to do that tonight, which is lovely. It's a beautiful day today. So it's going to be one of our first outdoor spring happy hours. Oh, fun. Um, and then I uh, end every day by reading. I 100% of the time, I don't like watching TV super late. I don't like working really late. I love to read for a while before bed. So that's sort of a normal day. Nice. I love that. Okay. And what is some little way that you live well anyway? 
and just some little pleasure that you have in your life in the midst of all the chaos to take care of yourself? I would say reading and walking are the two quickest ways that I know, uh, like the, the two surest medicines in my life. Um, reading something beautiful or getting outside even for 15 minutes and walking. Those are things that make me feel like, you know what, things can be crashing in a lot of different areas, but we're going to be okay if I have a book or if I can get outside. I love that. Okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? Yes. Okay. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Candles. Cloth napkins or paper? I want to say cloth, but it's really paper. Okay. That's a typical answer. (laughs) A lot of people say that. Um, City or country? Both. Okay. Paper or digital? Digital. Probably in the space you're in, it's pretty necessary. Yeah. I can have it with me all the time. Yes. 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 I agree. Okay. And you kind of, I think you just sort of answered this question a second ago, but you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? Music or this is such a weird thing that I do. Um, I listen to um, old episodes of the crown. Oh, I don't even watch it because I'm cooking. I can't see it. Yeah. I just love the sound of it. Yeah. Okay. They've got great accents. They did a good job. Great music. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Chocolate milk or dark Mm, dark sports or no sports sports live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? broadcast. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Oh, that's a really hard one. I know. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to have to think about that one a little bit. Okay. I I don't, I do not have an answer ready for that. I'm so sorry. Okay. Well, we can, we can skip it. We got one more question left. And if you think of one by then, then we can add on to it. Okay. If you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, where are you on the spectrum? Um, so 10 is by the fire full. Yes. Fully crunchy. I'm a, I'm a real, uh, inconsistent. I'm like in some ways quite crunchy and in some ways like decidedly not, but I'm going to give myself a seven. Okay. It's a little more crunchy, respectable answer. Yes. And okay. I, so I do not have a favorite movie, but I do have a great movie that I just saw that I can't stop thinking about. Okay. Will that qualify? Yeah, I'll take it. So have you seen tick, tick, boom? I've started it. I haven't been able to finish it yet though. We just absolutely loved it. So it's a great New York story, which is yes. all us right now. Andrew Garfield is amazing. I was blown away by his singing from what I've seen so far. Yeah. No idea. It was just, we just were absolutely so charmed by it. We loved it so much. Yeah. And he was amazing. Yeah. Well, I will take that. That is a very fun suggestion. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me today, Shauna. I was so glad that they were able to squeeze me into your podcasting schedule. This book is beautiful and wonderful. And I think it's perfect timing for people to be reading it. So well done. Oh, thank you. That means so much to me. And thank you for having me in this conversation. I've totally enjoyed it. Good. Well, next time you have a book, hopefully we'll get to chat again. I'd love that. Thank you. Okay. Yep. All 
All right, ladies, that is it for this week's episode. As always, you can find any of the links mentioned in our show notes, which you can find by just swiping up in the app that you're listening to the show on or heading over to my website, MackenzieCoppa.com and clicking on podcast. And also, as always, if you have a little shopping to do on Amazon and either one, you're not sure what you're looking for and you need some suggestions, or two, you just want to push a little bit of love my way to help out the show, then I would love it if you would go to Amazon by using the link mckenziecoppa.com slash Amazon. That will take you straight to my favorites list where I talk about everything from makeup to skincare to stress relief to last year's Christmas presents. But also, if you just know what you're going to Amazon for and you don't want to bother with any of that, it's just an easy way for you to get there and then be able to kick a little bit of love back my way without you having to spend an extra penny or do an extra thing. So if you just go to mckenziecoppa.com slash Amazon and do all of your regular Amazon shopping, the show gets a little bit of credit pushed back and you don't have to do anything differently. So thank you so much to those of you who use that link to do your Amazon shopping. It makes a big difference over here without you having to do a whole lot different over there. So thank you to those of you who use that link. And that is it for this week's show. I hope you're having a wonderful April so far. And until next week, ladies, go be bold and gracious. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.